but it is going to send a very clear message and not just to the baddies because they're not interested in the messages we have in normal society but to the communities that you know this arm of the state that's fighting organized crime is working and uh, you know you're, you're just not allowed in our country make a load of money off the back of drugs or other illegal enterprises and live openly as the richest guys in the neighborhood I'm Nicola Talent and you're listening to Crime World a podcast about criminals drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. He's the Kinahan fixer who decked out his house with plasma screens and bullet-resistant glass. But now Brian Mahoney has gone and the keys of his palace are with the Criminal Assets Bureau. After climbing the career ladder in the mob, Mahoney has now given up his assets without a fight and a community will soon see a for sale sign outside what was once the best-kept house in the neighbourhood. Today, I'm talking with journalist Eamon Dillon about the low-key fixer who tried to stay under the radar as he washed drug money, but who came a cropper as he feathered his nest and lived the high life in organised crime. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Where is that house, Eamon? It's in Kulak. I was at it before. Uh, It's pretty impressive, actually. When you pull up, it just looks 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 like a really good solid house. Yeah, it's it's Riverside Drive in Coolock or Clonshaw. I think the lads were out at the weekend, and obviously the house has been uh, yeah. cleared out. Thanks to the the kitchen, the fitted kitchen has been removed. We've seen that a few times when the Criminal Assets Bureau are about to move in. They take everything, everything, including the plugs from the wall. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Why not? <laughs> When I was out at that house initially, um, uh, Brian Mahoney was living in it with his his partner Kira. She was initially Nolan, and then Mahoney. And uh, you know there was really nice cars in the driveway. There was she was certainly living a very bling bling lifestyle. I think the Criminal Asset Bureau had demanded they'd taken a kind of a revenue case against Mahoney from from what I remember. And they were they were after um, like his, his I think it was an 07 Range Rover he had at the time, which was seized, and they eventually got permission to sell that. Um, and I think he they, he didn't put up a fight with um, a property in Spain, which I think was mentioned in court. It's worth about four hundred thousand. And then I think there was there was there was something like three three fifty thousand outstanding on on the cab demand, uh, which he offered to pay, but they still went after the house, which was worth less than that at the time. So I think they were really going to have to make a point that if you're going to build a castle with drug money, you, you don't get to keep it no matter what. Yeah, and that's literally what it was like because this was a really sort of a nice area, Riverview, um, really nice homes. But when you pulled up, firstly, it seemed to be just the one you saw wherever the way it was located. It was at the end of a, it was a semi-D, but it was at the end of a road had a nice big side side attached to it and but it just was the best looking house in the street you know it was covered in cameras there was uh, bullet resistant glass windows in it very nice front door the front was done you know all those little jobs the rest of us aspire to do at some point you know get the patio done out the front maybe get the driveway resurfaced that kind of thing everything had been done yes and, and it all adds up and it takes a huge amount of money really to do that like you know i mean a small patio can cost you anywhere from i don't know two grand to ten grand depending on who, who you get to do it and exactly what you put in but yeah i mean all that stuff i mean like a cctv system for a house is probably 
10, 15, 20,000. Again, you can self-price on that. Bulletproof glass, like, as we all know, is very expensive. Um, it costs a lot of money. And generally, like, you know, you, you try and get a company to buy it for you rather than actually get, um, you know, use your own cash supplies. But obviously, I mean, look, he was making plenty of money at the time and they were able to, to, yeah. to, to fork out and pay for it. And I think... I think she very much didn't, you know, it came across, she very much enjoyed that kind of side of the lifestyle, having a bit of money to spend. And, uh, you, you know, you did the piece, I think, in, in 2016. Um, you wrote a piece in the in the Sunday World not long after she had went back to court to try and keep the house on the basis that she was paying the mortgage and that was her family home. And, you know, in the meantime, there emerged all these luxury holidays in Dubai, posing in her bikini in, in, in you know, the... The beautiful white sands of the best resort. I presume that money could get you at the time. So I mean, she she certainly enjoyed that gangster mall lifestyle, you know, yeah. and uh, making the best of it. Now, both of them, both Brian Mahoney and his partner, um, have an interesting past. So we'll go back a little bit. Um, Mahoney was basically one of those identified, although not named, during the Operation Shovel raid on the Kinahan organization, which was a multi-agency offensive basically against them that saw arrests in the UK, Ireland, Spain and beyond in 2010. But his partner, Matthew Dunn, uh, was named as as in those files. And Matthew Dunn and Brian Mahoney had businesses together in particular. I think they had to dry cleaners to, together. And they were seen as both being the money launderers here in Ireland. Yeah, it's, I think there was the guards had started looking at um, Mahoney at that time, and then his name came up from the Spanish as well. So they'd already, I suppose, to some extent, had known about him in that in 1998 he'd been caught with Jared Bulger. Um, he was in a van, which I think there was some kind of an accident, and there was a large amount of um, cannabis in the back, and he got a three-year sentence out of that. So I mean, it's not like he was totally unknown to to the to I guess the guards at that stage. I mean, he certainly wasn't a household name from a crime correspondent's point of view. Uh, so obviously then, when, when they started, I suppose, following up on whatever information they were getting from the Spanish at the time, or when they were going down those routes, they were able to come up with, you know, a lot more contacts. And I think you certainly brought up some stuff uh, in, in the past where you kind of showed that some of these guys were closely linked to, to what on the surface were legitimate business people who were setting up... Um, what looked like you know normal companies making normal profits but in fact now we know they were actually involved in international drug dealing in in money laundering and all the rest and and the likes of Dunn and Mahoney were were directly linked to these people and they were sort of middlemen i suppose between the the, the essentially the the drug dealers and their money um but just a little bit about him when did he come on the criminal assets bureau radar or when did they go for him the investigation, as far as I understand it, would have started around, you know, not long after Operation Show. So that would have been 2010, 2011. And it, uh, it turned up in the High Court. The first we would have heard about it, I guess, in public was in 2014. Obviously, it started before that. Um, and he didn't oppose it. Like he, you know, he, he basically, you know, did the legal equivalent of putting his hands up and saying, you can take it. Uh, and it was only it was only his wife, Kira, then when um she she tried to hang on to the house as I said, like she tried to make the argument that she was making the mortgages, but I think they were fairly satisfied that it was kind of a carousel of cash that you know she wasn't earning her own money. 
Um, she was working in a coffee shop at the time that wasn't owned by Mahoney or any of his partners, but you know, it, it was it was way too small the income from that to you know possibly cover all her costs and pay the mortgages. And that was that was all aired in court at the time. Uh, that was and that that was up to 2016. So she was trying to hold on to the house, but uh, they basically they kind of then eventually said that you've you've nine months to to get out of the house. So, uh, you know, the, I suppose the Irish legal system always recognises when a property is a family home, and they're never they're never you know kind of too quick to kick people out. You know, from I guess a humane point of view, which is fair enough. Um, and then it, it came back into court recently, again, just last week. I mean, it was like a, a zombie case that just, you know, appeared from the dead. Um, and it turned out then, the, like, there was a, a transfer of the, the mortgage from one firm to another, nothing to do with the Mahanis. Um, but that made it difficult for the receiver who had originally been appointed to execute his powers to sell it. And they had to kind of go back to court and look for a new um, Section 7 order, I think it is, where they, the, the receiver is given the power to sell it. And again, there, there was, a, 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 you know, a, an, an, another little stay on it in that, you know, whoever is the receiver was told, like, you know, just check the house, make sure there's no one in it and that they have to be notified if the house is going to be sold from under them. So um, that's, I guess, what our colleague did this weekend. Alan Sherry went and had a quick look to see who was there. And as we know now, it's empty, although, of course, the... Well, you say that the fitted kitchen, you know, it seems to have gone along with the, the TV and the, the, the suite of furniture or whatever. Uh, from what you can see through the window, the, the bulletproof or the bullet resistant glass is still there. And some of the camera fittings look like they're still there as well. I'd say you would be able to take them out. That's the only reason why they're left. I mean, I have been to homes taken by the are certainly, you know, one by the Criminal Assets Bureau, shall we say, where the kitchen sink has been taken, where the bathroom fittings have been taken. Sean McGovern's house in Crumlin was left with literally nothing that would look like it needed its last fit, you know, like a new property that needed that. I think the fireplace was gone in that one. Um, carpets off the floors, like, but it's nearly just a reaction to the Bureau because like a lot of these things aren't going to fit anywhere else or maybe they don't have anywhere else to even put them. But it's almost just like, a final, you know, fingers to to the to the state, isn't it? Yeah, and there's been other houses that have been vandalised. There was certainly one on Clondalkin that was, I think, practically gutted by fire. Uh, I remember, like in the case of Dean Russell, who 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 didn't do anything to his house. That that was another one that kind of only finalised recently after nearly a, a decade long battle as well. And it, there was an order put in. I think cab officials are starting to get worried about this kind of trend of of wrecking the place or wrecking the property before. They, you know, before Cab were able to move in to sell it. And he said, well, why would I vandalise my own home? Like, he, he seemed, you know, relatively reasonable about it. And by all accounts, it it's, was taken over untouched. But uh, yeah, look, I mean, you can see why, I, I, you know, there's there's an element of if I can't have it, you can't either. And sometimes, you know, the, the value, uh, you, you often hear the argument made. It's one that um, uh, Mago Gately is currently, uh, they've said that they're going to make in court, was that their, their house that they bought for, Whatever it was, one hundred and twenty-five thousand in Kulak and put a um, quarter of a million or three hundred and fifty thousand into it in refurbishments. Um, they're going to say, look, this has been vastly overvalued by by Cab, and they're going to have to get their own um, expert valuations, or that's what they got their legal aid for, is to get their 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 own expert uh, valuations in to say, look, it's actually a lot less. Like in money has gone in, it's not worth that much, and you know it shouldn't be set at that amount. Uh, so I mean, you know, there there there's always going to be 
that argument over whether CAB are over-egging the price um, or whether you know, the, the people at the receiving end are deliberately undercutting you know, what they've put in to try and hide the real gotten gains. So generally, I think so far in most of these cases, you'll find that the High Court is finding in favour of CAB because, I mean, it's pretty hard to, to kind of... It's, it's pretty hard to, to uh, hide you know, structural refurbishments to a, to a house. And there is a market price for these things, even if you try and claim your granny did it or your brother's a, an expert plaster and he did all the work himself, including the underground pool. You know, it just, it, does, it doesn't hold water. It really doesn't. Now, when Kira then Nolan um, got in tow with Brian Mahoney, he looked like a good catch. I mean, you're talking pre-2010. He's an up-and-coming uh, member of the Kinahan organisation. He had started out as a driver, but had very quickly kind of seemingly moved into sort of the heart of the operation where he was this, you know, he portrayed himself as a wealthy businessman, but ultimately was money laundering behind the scenes. Now, she had a type. Do you know a little bit about her and her, her background and where she'd come from? Yeah, well, she, I mean, she married Brian O'Mahony, so as we know, in 2010. But previous to that, her boyfriend was um, Jeffrey Mitchell, who I think our listeners may have heard of before. Um, he died recently with some of his 50 grand stash of heroin in a hostel in North County, Dublin. But like he was the young hotshot drug dealer back then. Uh, he, he was, you know, he was involved in a, in a feud at the Westies at the time. He avoided barely getting shot in his, his house in Crumlin. He, he was, you know, connected with a, a couple of suspected murders. Uh, he was a charismatic guy by all accounts. You know, a lot of women, I'm sure, not just Kira, um, liked him and got on very well with him. And, and he was he was making money. Uh, you know, he was, you know, into his into his soccer. He, I think, had bought a, uh, certainly he had an apartment in Nace in County Kildare where he was in. And he was, you know, a local in one of the pubs when he'd be watching the premiership soccer games and stuff like that. And of course, one of the things he, he splashed out on was a boob job for Kira at one point, which obviously caught the attention of um, the likes of us. I think that's I'm sure it goes on more, but we don't hear about it too often. I think there was another cab case, now that I think of it, where um, one, one of the the uh, one of the, the, the walls, one of the Andrew Walls gang um, involved in all these ram raids. And when they raided the house, they found jewellery in the receipts, but they also found uh, uh, receipts for, I think, similar cosmetic work as well. So I guess, yeah, now that I remember, it's not, it's not, it's not a first. There's probably more of it goes on than we know about or care to admit. Yeah. But, uh, so had you been denying the plastic surgery if the receipt was produced in the Criminal Assets Bureau hearings, it would be a little bit, uh, your secret was out of the bag. Yeah, it's pretty nailed on, I think, when the High Court judges, yes, you've had a boot job, really, isn't it? You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so he paid for that anyway. He he and and her, she was involved in, in robbing a former employer of hers, or certainly involved in setting up a robbery where Mitchell was caught and ultimately jailed. Yeah, and, and she served time as well over that herself. She was sentenced. Um, and I think it was it was a reasonable enough robbery at the time, something like um, 38, was it 50,000, something like that? It was, but it was certainly a five-figure sum. Um, mm. And it, it, like there was... Yeah, that's a lot of cash. Yeah, it, it was. And I, I, I actually remember that at the time because I was actually working in Tala Echo, I think. So it must have been about 2000 or 1999 it happened. Uh, yeah, so I mean, look, I mean, you know, so it's obviously she, she was into that, I suppose, that milieu of, of young men um, and was certainly enjoying, I suppose, the, the finer points of, of um, the, the criminal life, you know, the underworld. It was, mm. And obviously thought she was onto a good thing with Brian. 
Jeffrey had kind of gone to prison and he had sort of ongoing addiction issues all his life, which made him rather more chaotic. I mean, as you say there, he died in a homeless hostel. Um, but Mahani was up and coming when she got with him and their wedding was, you know, a very flash affair. And both she and he had social media sites at the time and they posted their pictures up on it. And um, I recall by about maybe 2012 or thereabouts, you know, so after Shovel and he has kind of his his pal, Matthew Dunn, has been caught up and certainly named in that. But there was a guy from Straffan in County Kildare, a drug lord called Philip Barron. And he had actually, he was like this respectable businessman. He was a very interesting character. Uh, and maybe we must revisit him at, at some point. He'd lived in a beautiful housing estate down just off the grounds of the K Club. Um, very respectable looking family. Two children that he had had attended private school. He mixed actually, uh, and members of his family mixed with the Mansfields, um, with the younger Mansfields. And he was a guy who was actually running a 300 million euro cocaine and cannabis empire. But he was doing it on a very businesslike basis with some other um, individuals in the UK. And he was sort of hiding out in Straffan. Anybody who asked, he said he'd made his money through, um, you know, buying deck chairs and buying up pitches on Spanish beaches. And he'd made a, a fortune with that. But ultimately, they were shipping cocaine and cannabis across the world. They had business relationships with the Colombian cartels. They operated on the basis that if they lost a shipment, they just saw it as part of the risk. They never went to war with anyone. They never tried to seek out the rat as, we, you know, often the sort of a lot of criminals we would be dealing with uh, would. They would they just accepted, uh, accepted it on a profit and loss basis. And they made a huge amount of money out of it. But Ma, uh, Bra- Philip Barron was eventually caught and jailed in 2013 um, for a, a lengthy sentence in, in the UK. But when he was under surveillance, because the UK police had contacted the Irish Guardi to tell them that Barron was based down in Kildare and he was being watched here. And at the time he was being watched, uh, the cops saw Matthew Dunn and Brian Mahon pop, you know, pop into the K-Club to have a business meeting with him. And that gave them an insight into how Barron obviously had a connection with Christy Kinahan. And these guys they believed at the time were obviously representing Kinahan here in Ireland. So, you know, that that was kind of coming into 2013, just before the Criminal Assets Bureau go from. And really, Mahoney has gone to ground. He's disappeared. I don't know. Do you know where he is? I have no idea. I haven't heard about him in a long time. I know I <clears throat> some stuff around um, associates of his that looked as if they were getting a bit of a fondness for the product and they weren't doing too well in life. Um, but he simply, I mean, they've abandoned that house in Kulak now, and they've been out of it for quite some time. Um, talk again at one point that he was he was involved, he was trying to get over to America, but with a criminal conviction, that seems unlikely. So he will pop up again, as these guys have a tendency to do. Uh, but where and when will be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I look for, I mean, the kind of work, I suppose, for, for a better way of putting it, that he was doing, I mean, to be a clean skin, to be invisible was where he needed to, needed to be. 
Uh, I mean, you're not much good to the Kinnan cartel if you have a record as long as your arm and you're involved in fighting on the street or, you know, getting involved in gunfights, you know, as, as I think they've discovered much of their detriment. I mean, there's so much attention brought onto them since the, the whole feud with the Hutches, you know, that started in 2015. Um, you know, just even to go back a little bit with Manny, like he, he set up a couple of different firms. I mean, like you, you mentioned the, 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 the dry cleaners, but they also had um, a paving company as well with a, a fellow from Louth that he had set up as well. Um, a bit, and uh, actually one of the reasons why he had the, the bulletproof or the bullet resistant glass at the time was that the real IRA apparently had uh, pipe bombed his home and were interested in getting a bit of a, a cut from his money. So I guess um, it was leaking out about his involvement and what, what he was doing. But I mean, I mean he, he obviously has a certain skill level, um, you know, and you can see it in the likes of Johnny Morrissey and some of these other, the, the British national who's accused in Spain, who's, uh, you know, originally arrested there just late last year under Operation Desert Light, um, uh, Ryan Hale. Uh, so, I mean, you know, it's a very specific kind of, I think, niche area, you know, kind of an accountancy to the underworld, that sort of thing, you know. Um, and so, so, you know, he's always he's always going to be useful, even if not to the Kennehan's, possibly to someone else. I mean, having said that, if you have those skill levels, you can probably set up a legitimate company and just go straight, which... You know, you might decide in, in the end that's what you want. Now, it was mentioned, I think, in, in the court hearing last week that Mahoney, you know, hadn't been in that house for a long time. So I, I don't know whether that means he's still together with Kira or not, or whether they split up. Um, but, you know, he, he'd certainly given up trying to, you know, like he, he had never put up any any kind of defence to try and keep the house. Now, I mean, that's often a, a, you know, a straightforward case to make it look like... Um, you know, one half of a, of, a, of a marriage has been, you know, left by the other on the basis then that the, the other person should be allowed to stay in their family home. So we can't really read too much into that. But like, yeah, it will be interesting. And as you say, these guys do have a tendency to turn up again. But Eamon, in this case, so he was hit with the revenue bill, right, of 1.2 million or something like that. So essentially he didn't pay it, which is why they went after the house, the assets, to fulfil the bill. Was that the way it was? It was a little bit confusing. This case, it wasn't yeah. as straightforward as others can be. Yeah, it was. It was. It was a, a revenue bill, but they did actually get, um, you, you know, the, the first of all, the section three, which is declaring various property to be to be the the proceeds of crime, and then a, a receiver appointed. Now, it, it was mentioned in the kind of the reports from a couple of years ago that that this included a, a four hundred thousand pound home in Malaga, but obviously, Irish High Court writs don't run that far, so that suggests then you know it was sold off to raise the money. Or it may not have been sold off, um, and this, you know, you know, we're not going to find that through official records anytime soon. Uh, but yeah, look, I mean, that's the thing about a lot of the, and it's a great example of this actually, is that it's a slow grind, and it's often quite complex, um, and cases can what seem like you know a very long time, it can just drag on and on and on. But they they do get there, and and even if they have the effect of denying those assets to people in, you know who've been involved in crime it's it's useful from that point of view that okay they mightn't have been able to sell off the house but you know if possibly they haven't you know if Brian Mahoney hasn't been able to use and, and enjoy it for a number of years well then that's to the good you know in a sense they've they've taxed you know his, his illegal business but uh yeah look I mean it's 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 just one of those those, those cases I mean any kind of I mean, even buying and selling a house, you know, like uh, using a solicitor, if there's any kind of problem with the conveyancy, it can be delayed, you know, if there's something like a right away going through. So you have all this, these levels of complication that go on. And of course, you know, the first step is to have it declared the proceeds of crime, which is all about 
going through with a fine tooth comb, you know, a huge at forensic level, you know, a, a person's financial history for as many years as it takes to prove that there's absolutely no way in hell they could have had the money to, to pay for this in, by, by honest means. But in a way, I suppose, isn't that really what the Criminal Assets Bureau is all about? It is that grind to get to the final point, which is denying the asset. But if you're living out there in that community and, you know, your kids have seen that house, the fancy cars outside it, it being clearly the kind of the, you know, one of the best looking houses on the road. Um, you know, it's nice to see it being taken and it's it'll be nice for those for that community to see the for sale sign go up there just visually. And, you know, it's not going to make the country rich. It's not going to make the the fill the the uh, the national exchequer um, with shekels, but it is going to send a very clear message and not just to the baddies because they're not interested in the messages we have in normal society, but to the communities that, you know, this um, arm of the state that's fighting organized crime is working. And, uh, you know, you, you're just not allowed uh, in our country make a load of money off the back of drugs or other illegal enterprises and live openly as the richest guys in the neighborhood. Yeah. I mean, that's really the basics of it. Yeah, and you've actually seen it. I know, I know that there's been some, you know, high profile cases like the one with Bama Kavanaugh and Daniel Kinahan at the House of Coldwater Lakes there in, in Sagart. And you kind of go, well, do you, you know, what's what's that going to do? It's a drop in the ocean, but it's, it's symbolically it's important, I think, to to kind of mm. snaffle up what you can get. I mean, you know, like just on on the other on the flip side, at one point I'm sure they would have used that house to to kind of show off how powerful they are. So let's take it off from me if you can when it's you know when there's something in reach. You know why why just leave it there because it won't make a difference. And and we've seen it as well, like you know with a I know there was one case, a money lender, you know, an illegal money lender in in. Um, in, in Kilrush in County Clare, you know, had, had properties taken. Um, similarly, the, like there was somebody tricked out of a house in, in Dundalk and, and they had, you know, they were subject of Section 3 and presumably will be uh, of, a, of a Section 7 order and, and, and have their, their, their houses taken off them. Um, and I, I know in Newbridge there's been kind of relatively small cases in Kildare. But again, you know, I think it's it's about sending the message and it's about, you know, you know, letting these people know that you're not, you, you might get away with it to some extent, but you're not going to, you, you can't really out and out and enjoy the fruits of your, uh, you know, of your illegal labors, like, you know, in this way. I mean, mm. I, there's, there's certainly one person involved with the, with my favorite subject, the Dead Zoo Gang, the crowd who were stealing all the rhino horns, you know, who who's, goes around driving in, you know, 20 year olds, you know, battered, you know, secondhand Japanese cars now that, you know, that, you know, would have been something like my first car in fairness, but you know, I like uh, this guy, you know, at one time, or he probably still is a multimillionaire, but he knows that if he turns up in this country, you know, driving the, the 190,000 Mercedes AMG that he can afford, it's going to be taken off him. You know, somebody's going to be there mm. rubbing their hands saying, oh, look, we've got another car coming, you know, and, and why not? And, uh, and that's the way to use the legislation. You know, I mean, like, the, unless these guys are, are, you know, are able to prove, uh, and that's the key thing, unless they are able to prove that they got it through legitimate means, the state doesn't have to prove that they got it illegally. It's you know that's the whole key I think in in the legislation uh, with with the, the proceeds of crime act is that it flips it where you know and 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 it's been very effective and I know we do know that other countries have looked at how we've done it and they've had their own I think legislative problems you know kind of copying 
what we've done in Ireland or what has been done, which, you know, goes back to the mid 90s following, you know, the, the murder of Veronica Guerin. So, I mean, it was coming from good reasons that, you know, we're a relatively small country. So, I mean, if you have a, you know, a, a multi-million now and, and now and now as we have, a, you know, a billionaire drug gang, you're going to have to have some kind of, you know, big hammer in, in the box of legislation to be able to box these lads with to make sure that, you know, normal society stays in control and not them. It certainly seems with the Criminal Assets Bureau we did something right and it's nice to talk about the cases, uh, you know, because <laughs> it's it's good to have a good news story and they always seem, the Criminal Assets Bureau stories are always like my good news stories on this crime pod, so I, I like them. But if anybody out there knows where Brian Mahoney is or if he's out there and wants to give me a ring, please do. I'd love to know how things are going for you and uh, indeed for your wife, Kira. Um God knows they're probably, uh, or he could he could probably be out in Dubai with some of our other friends. But anyway, give us a ring. Let us know if you've you've seen them in your travels. Okay, Eamon, thank you very much. No worries, Nicola. Talk to you again soon. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from SundayWorld.com, produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Claude Amini. If you like this show and love true crime. Leave us a review, or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe.